Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to More Outdoors on News Talk 560. KLVI, this is Chester Moore. And tonight... We're going to take a little trip out into the dark territory of the outdoors and talk to a friend of mine, Lyle Blackburn, who just released a book called Sinister Swamps and talking about the crazy stuff you run into in swamps. And of course, this particular element we're talking about tonight is the human danger element, because I've been talking about this in the program and in my different media platforms like HigherCalling.net for a long time, that the most dangerous thing in the woods isn't bears or boars, it's people. And we're going to talk about in a unique way with Lyle Blackburn. Think of dark, creepy stuff in the great outdoors. I think of my friend Lyle Blackburn. He is an author. He's a researcher. He's a television star. He's done some production. And he has a new book called Sinister Swamps. And so to talk about disappearances and other mysterious stuff going on in the swamps of America, welcome, Lyle Blackburn. Hey, buddy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, you know, I always love your books because you're such a thorough researcher. And when I saw you were doing something on swamps, I thought, I I bet it's going to tie into some of the stuff I was wanting to do on this new podcast here. Because, you know, unfortunately, the whole theme of Dark Outdoors is someone asked me a few years back, what is the most dangerous thing in the woods? And without blinking, I said people. And, of course, they were expecting me to say bears or boars or rattlesnakes. But it's people and if you start looking across America, a lot of really heinous stuff is done down in swamps. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, a place where you can find, you know, uh, solitude and privacy. And, you know, it attracts people that want to get off the grid or that are doing things they shouldn't. So certainly swamps are notable in that oh you know yeah you think of snakes and alligators and all this other stuff but there's that aspect of it just being off the grid where bad people are out there doing bad things yeah so what was the inspiration behind the book what what made you think you know what we're going to write about all the crazy stuff in swamps well i think it's it's a little bit of just destiny and a little bit of just something that has just been a fascination of mine since I was a kid, you know, and I, I know you, you're right with me when uh, we were watching stuff early on, like Scooby-Doo and monster yep. movies. And it was always, you know, <laughs> set in a swamp or the haunted, even a haunted house was always right next to the swamp. For and, sure. You know, quicksand and alligators and stuff. So I just kind of love that setting. And then, you know, growing up and getting into the outdoors and then eventually doing cryptid research you know oftentimes swamps were an epicenter for strange occurrences so that that kind of just developed from you know some research i was doing on cryptid sightings and many of them near swamps i thought would wouldn't it be cool to just do a book that instead of you know revolved around a certain cryptid or a certain case simply revolved around 
swamp locations and then just mm-hmm. whatever weird stuff and spooky stuff that happens in those swamps would be included. Well, the one when I got the book, by the way, I've uh, kind of looked through the book uh, for the purposes of this program and found a lot of great reference. Look forward to digging deep into all of it because all of it's fascinating. But the one that drew me in first, just because of the title, and I've heard of it before, but I saw it in your book in bold, The Great Dismal Swamp. I mean, that just is a loaded title. Oh, yeah. I mean, just the name of it, it just (laughs) conjures up the image of a dank, dark, brackish, spooky swamp, mm-hmm. you know, so that that certainly had to be in the book, and, you know, naturally, not surprisingly, when you look at the history of that swamp, there is every range of phenomenon from uh, sightings of strange animals to stories of witches to ghosts, uh, you know, people you know, uh, being murdered in that area, just, just every sort of thing. So it, it, it matches, it lives up to its name, I should say. Where is it located? It's located in Virginia and North Carolina. Mm-hmm. You know, you, and you don't think of those areas, if, you, if you're from like the deep south or from Texas, as having swamp, but there are swamps all over the nation in different forms. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, just take our home state of Texas. You know, nobody thinks that there's swamps here, but Texas boasts, uh, you know, miles of swamp lands. And certainly all across the, you know, deep south, there's there's a lot of drainage networks and things that are flowing to the Mississippi River. And, you know, those overflows and, uh, you know, low elevation create these swamps. And in my book, you know, I tried to spread it out as much as I could across North America, but certainly mm-hmm. there's a large concentration of swamps in the South. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I live literally like a mile from a swamp here in, in Orange, Texas. So they're all over the place. But there are some strange cases of, of murders and bodies found in there. There was one in 1987 and another body found in 2015. So it seems like there is a, a history of some murder in that swamp. Certainly. Uh, yeah, there, there's um, a case in the Dismal Swamp back in mm-hmm. 1987, which a, a body was found there on the Virginia-North Carolina border. And, you know, when, when people throw a body into a swamp, you know, they intend it to disappear. Because mm-hmm. again, you know, rather than throwing it in a some dry woods or something else, when you uh, submerge a body or throw it in a swampy area with all that moisture and humidity mm-hmm. and and rotting vegetation, they will disappear faster. But as we know, there's people out there strolling around, hiking and walking, and oftentimes come across these you know rather distressing sights of, of dead bodies. And that mm-hmm. was one where. Uh, the the body of a of a woman who had been shot was discarded in the the swamp and the investigators eventually solved the crime which was fortunate but um, but yeah just the, the spooky aspect of already walking through a swamp and then coming across a dead body is is rather alarming well that's part of the reason not only the idea of uh, keeping people protected going into remote areas or not even really remote, but just kind of you know out of the neighborhood, down in the woods somewhere. 
uh, because of these nefarious people, but also the idea of like, you know, what to do if you come across something like this, you know, when you're out in the middle of nowhere, you're expecting to, maybe you're going bird watching, you're going duck hunting, or you're going herping or whatever, you might come across some of this stuff. So I'm just trying to prepare people because unfortunately it seems like this stuff is on the rise. And, um, the Everglades, if you think of a swamp in America, basically you think of two, and they're both in your book. You think of the Everglades and Okefenokee. Those are kind of the two that are, and your take on that was fascinating, but the Everglades had so much stuff, but the one I couldn't take myself awake from was a guy named Edgar Watson. Tell us about him. Uh, yeah, Edgar Watson. That was a case in the Everglades where... Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a rather strange fella had moved into this area uh, along the, let's see, I think it was a remote island of Chokoloski, everything in, in the Everglades. Man, those Florida places are hard to pronounce. <laughs> They're all something, Native American references. <laughs> yeah. uh, but this guy kind of kept to himself, and he was raising mm-hmm. pigs, hunting alligators, and, and growing sugar cane there along the Chatham River and uh, rumors started to emerge that uh, some of his workers were going missing as his mm-hmm. as his business began to thrive he sort of had a plantation type mm-hmm. setup and you know that that's kind of like seasonal work you know people are, are sure. pulling the the cane and processing it and eventually someone found a skeleton floating in the swamp near his home. And then the locals really started to question what was going on. And he mm-hmm. you know, questioned uh, Edgar Watson about this. And, of course, he dismissed it as, oh, you know, it's a, probably a Native American skeleton. You know, there's a lot of those around here. It's nothing. Uh, but eventually, you know, some workers who people knew that had been working at his plantation were found dead. Then it, it intensified, and he was eventually confronted, and basically a posse of townsfolk, you know, sort of the villagers with pitchforks, yeah. uh, uh, just shot this guy. We come back on more outdoors. We'll talk more with Lyle Blackburn. Welcome back to more Outdoors on News Talk 560 KLVI. This is Chester Moore continuing our conversation about sinister swamps with Lyle Blackburn. And, you know, no one really had any proof necessarily that he was killing off his workers in order to avoid paying them, but, you know, Mm -hmm. circumstantial evidence added up. And so that story sort of became, you know, legendary and and mythical proportions of this bizarre and heinous individual that lived in the swampy environments and and would dispose of people by, you know, dumping their bodies to be eaten by alligators. And, And those are the kind of things that you know, just build up this legend and lore of the swamps, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but always, you know, they're based upon truth. This was a real guy and this, there was real dead bodies. So you never really know. And there continue to be dead bodies in 1977 alligator alley. There were four bodies found. I believe they were found by uh, native American hikers or something like that. 
Right. Yeah, there's a place called Alligator Alley that cuts through the Everglades. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it sounds dangerous from alligators, but really it's some of the most disturbing things are the result of crimes. And there was four mm-hmm. bodies discovered near there in 1977 by a group of Native Americans who were hiking in the woods. Mm-hmm. And they they found that the these remains of people they could see bullet holes in the head mm-hmm. uh, you know they found parts of their possessions laying in and around there and eventually found a couple of more skeletons so after they informed the authorities you know authorities finding several bodies in the one location they felt it could be the work of a serial killer mm-hmm. and you know but that's the thing you know when you're talking about the swamp, it's hard to say, did these people just, you know, go missing? Did they encounter somebody in the swamp that killed them in the swamp or were they just deposited there? And certainly, I guess in in many ways, the swamp kind of cloaks and obscures what really happened. And, And this is another case where just bodies were being found in the Everglades. Yeah, I had William Ramsey on from William Ramsey Investigates about the smiley face killers uh, because that kind of falls in our domain here because the bodies, these bodies are found in water, but they have no evidence of actually dying in water, most of them. And the water seems to be solvent, you know, so if someone wants to go out into a remote location, dispose of a body. And I think about Florida, the late 70s, I mean, this could be something from the cocaine wars back then and just throw them in the swamp or they encountered somebody there. So there's always that thing to consider. You might not find a serial killer out there, but you could find yourself uh, where someone's trying to dispose of a body or deal with a situation or kind of like a casino when they drug Joe Pesci out into the cornfield. You know, you never know (laughs) what you may find out in these areas. Right. Creepy cornfields. But, you you know, and and that's one thing that I thought it kind of put this in perspective on just how many bodies are probably out there and not found. You know, we have the stories yeah. of the ones that were, but I, in, in my research, both with the Everglades and the Okefenokee Swamp, there is plausible evidence to suggest that the old Flight 19, the squadron that disappeared mm-hmm. in the 1940s, you know, everybody kind of thought, oh, those went disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle. But there is, you know, pretty good, compelling data to suggest that they they might have crash landed in either wow. Okefenokee or the Everglades, and and thus were never found. So if wow. if a swamp can swallow up five wow. Avenger torpedo aircraft, you know your chances of finding a body that's dumped out there are very slim. Yeah, there's no telling how many bodies. That's a great point. That's a, I remember watching, I think, an Unsolved Mysteries on that thing years and years ago. Uh, it's always been an interesting case, a lost squadron. And um, maybe there's a, you know some kind of a Bermuda Triangle there in the swamps. There's also been some missing people that have just never never been found. That There's no body. Just they went missing from campsites. I think one of them was named Roger Sawyer. Right. That, that was a case uh, in the Everglades National Park near Flamingo mm-hmm. in which uh, Roger Sawyer and his wife and family members went out there to camp. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a popular campground. And she went up to the visitor's center 
uh, you know, in the, the late afternoon and as she was checking in and he stayed out and, you know, was poking around in the park. Well, you know, they later assembled at their motor home and realized, where's Roger? You know, mm-hmm. he should have been back. Well, where did he go? I mean, we were just hanging out here in the park and, you know, obviously they started looking around and found no trace of him. Uh, this was he, he was 67 years old, but he was an experienced outdoorsman. He was in good health of sound mind and, you know, wasn't you know, wasn't somebody who would just wander off, especially with his family being there. Uh, But, you know, this escalated to, to uh, the Miami-Dade fire rescue department came, came out the U S park service. um, And they launched a initial search, which lasted through the evening and into the next day in that vicinity. And they found no sign of him at all. Mm-hmm. And then continued to, you know, widen the net and search for 10 days and could find no trace of him and no explanation where he could have gone. I mean, it wow. was just like he was there one minute and, and simply disappeared. So you're thinking, you know, what what could have happened to this guy? Certainly there are you know, treacheries that could befall you if you wander too far off, but it it just didn't seem like something that he would have done without telling somebody, Hey, I'm going to hike off into the swamp way down there. Mm -hmm. You know, just, just a really bizarre case of, of the missing persons. Well, I like the part of your research there that says that there was a, you know, 10 days of search. So this wasn't just kind of like we're going to look around for him and this guy ran off with a woman somewhere or something like that and left his wife or something. They had reason to believe, obviously, that something crazy happened or he got hurt or something. And 10 days of looking, you know, if there was sign there, you think they would have found it by then. So that's those are always, to me, some of the ones that make you feel the most uncomfortable. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you, if, if they would have found a body and, you know, he, he had been bitten by a snake or he had mm-hmm. fallen and injured himself and drowned in the brackish waters or something, at least you would feel mm-hmm. more comfortable. But mm-hmm. the fact that he goes just missing that easily from a this, I mean, he wasn't, this was, you know, at the edge of a park, you know, a place where there's people going yeah. in and out every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you just, your mind starts to wonder what in the world could have happened to this guy. And, and, and that's kind of compounded because just five months later, another guy went missing in this very same area. Oh, wow. In this Everglades National Park. Uh, they found a truck belonging to a guy named Tracy Oliver, who was incidentally mm-hmm. from Texas. And, uh, you know, he had conceivably gone gone off into the swamp and it was the same kind of same kind of thing uh you know massive search 40 or 50 people helicopters tracking dogs combing the mangrove mazes never found this guy just completely missing and kind of spooky considering five months apart from uh roger sawyer's disappearance and when you're talking about a national park, the National Park Service actually has their own police departments and their own wardens and things like that. So it's a very rigid law enforcement that goes into a national park system. So 
obviously that they were looking and they were, you know, it wasn't like, a, you know, out in the country somewhere and maybe a small police department. So there's a lot of going on in these areas. And uh, when you have this kind of comb over and nothing happens, it definitely adds the chill to the spine, you know. But out of all the things in your book that put chill down my spine, it was a case from 2014 in Bear Creek Swamp in Alabama that involved dolls. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that that one's kind of spooky. Um, this Bear Creek Swamp, I mean, it's, you know, an area of dark and remote woods and swamplands, you know, mm-hmm. has a long history of strangeness that surrounds it. When we come back on More Outdoors, we'll talk more with Lyle Blackburn about sinister swamps. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Welcome back to more Outdoors on News Talk 560 KLVI. This is Chester Moore concluding our conversation with Lyle Blackburn about Sinister Swamp. Uh, They found a truck belonging to a guy named Tracy Oliver, who was incidentally Mm -hmm. from Texas. And, uh, you know, he had conceivably gone gone off into the swamp. And it was the same kind of same kind of thing. you know, massive search, 40 or 50 people, helicopters, tracking dogs, combing the mangrove mazes, never found this guy. Just completely missing and kind of spooky considering five months apart from uh, Roger Sawyer's disappearance. And when you're talking about a national park, the National Park Service actually has their own police departments and their own wardens and things like that. So it's a very rigid law enforcement that goes into a national park system. So obviously that they were looking and they were, you know, it wasn't like a, you know, out in the country somewhere and maybe a small police department. So there's a lot of going on in these areas. And uh, when you have this kind of comb over and nothing happens, it definitely adds the chill to the spine, you know, but out of all the things in your book that put chill down my spine, it was a case from 2014 in Bear Creek Swamp in Alabama that involved dolls. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that that one's kind of spooky. Um, this Bear Creek Swamp, I mean, it's, you know, an area of dark and remote woods and swamplands, you know, mm-hmm. has a long history of strangeness that surrounds it from people uh, seeing phantom cars, from ghostly encounters, uh, you know, even some rumors of Bigfoot in the area. Uh, so, so it's one of those places where it already has that kind of ominous air of, of high strangeness. Well, in, in 2014, uh, Bear Creek actually made the national news when, uh, <laughs> when somebody came across 21 creepy-looking dolls that were staged, basically, uh, visible from a road sitting there in the swamp. And mm-hmm. it was actually uh, a deputy uh, law enforcement officer that noticed it while driving on a dirt road uh, through that swamp. And they, they looked kind of like antique dolls and pale faces, pale faces mm-hmm. and tattered clothing. Mm-hmm. And he could see that they were impaled atop bamboo stakes. Now, mm-hmm. it, it was visible from the road, but you couldn't immediately get to it because there was uh, swampy water, you know, between the road and the location of these dolls. So they were just sort of over there. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there was some photos taken and it, this is the kind of thing where if it leaks to the news, you know, it's all over the place. Spooky dolls found in swamp. I mean, this is a quintessential <laughs> swamp, you know, mystery. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, automatically brings to mind, you know, things of, you know, either, you know, witches, um, you know, satanic rituals, strange people living in the swamp. You know, what was the significance of these dolls placed there? Even if it was simply a prank, it was a rather spooky one. So, you know, the the, the uh, authorities, you know, asked around, tried to get to the bottom and find out if there was something sinister going on or whether this was a prank. And they they never could determine who had left these so they finally just got some canoes and paddled out to this location and, uh, you know, removed the dolls. But uh, they, they were like old porcelain dolls, you know. They looked like they had been treated with some white spray paint, possibly to look even more creepy. Mm. Um, but like so many of these swamp mysteries, uh, there was just simply no explanation, but, but one that you know, made it around social media. And if you still, if you search creepy dolls, Bear Creek Swamp, it's still going to come up. And I see occasionally people still discussing this case. Well, to quote a Richard Pryor joke that I can put on the air, he talked about going to the voodoo lady's house in this, in this long story. And he said, when this monkey came out that had one hand, and she had a monkey's foot necklace on. He said, that's when I put my hand on my knife. <laughs> and that, you know, and that's kind of when you see the dolls in the swamp, that's when you put your hand on the knife. Oh, yeah. And I'm telling you, <laughs> you know, as somebody who, you know, you go into these type places, you know, if I see a hog or, you know, a couple of big hogs in my vicinity, I, you know, okay, I'm, I'm prepared. You know, they're unpredictable. 
you know, sure. or if I if if I'm canoeing along, I see a you know twelve foot alligator, you know, moseying by the canoe. I kind of keep mm-hmm. my arms in, but if I go out there and I see a twenty one creepy dolls, yeah, hands going on the knife, the other hands going on the gun, and I'm getting the hell <laughs> yeah. out of there. I'm gone exactly, <laughs> man. Because there's either a banjo coming soon or. You know, some guy with a potato sack on his head. You know, I mean, it's it's not good. Uh, you know, the reason that, that, that I go back to, to doing this whole new program is because of all the dangerous crap I've encountered in the woods over the years from getting my, me and my dad getting chased off of a uh, mountain near Willow Creek, California in 2002. Uh, very close to where they filmed the Murder Mountain series, actually. Um, we know that was drug pushers that did it, to finding two different meth labs here, and one in the Sabine and one on the Angelina kind of area. Now, I didn't go look for the meth in there, but I kind of figured out what it was real quick and got out of Dodge, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, to coming across all kind of crazy stuff, I'm thinking if Chester Moore by himself can come across all this nut stuff, other people are too. And I know by the grace of God, I've survived some of these things. And that's why I appreciate you sharing this. And there's a definitely entertaining value to like, you know, it's kind of like gathering by the campfire, right? And you're telling creepy stories. But there's also a part of just letting people be aware that, look, nature's beautiful. But sometimes there's some people in here that ain't so beautiful and they got bad intentions. And uh, to to be careful of those things. Now, all of your adventures and whether you're doing cryptid research or out in the swamp paddling around researching for this book, have you ever come across a situation where you thought, you know what, I better not go any further? Yeah, there's been a few. I mean, there was once where I, I found some skulls that seemed to be purposefully arranged. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you find skulls in the woods, you know, there were hog skulls, and but they they looked as, as if they had been placed there in a particular pattern by a person, mm-hmm. which wow. again, you know, coming across hog sign or hogs or hog skulls is not a problem. But when you, when you start thinking, okay, wh- what, you know, why is this like this? And are there people living nearby? That just mm-hmm. gave me the creeps and, you know, sort of a steer clear. Let's, let's just kind of move on from this area. Um, and then there's been a few times where I've come across abandoned structures that, mm-hmm. you know, they, they weren't completely dilapidated, but someone could have been in there, uh, you know, and those are the, you know, you think Ted Kaczynski or, you know, Unabomber <laughs> yeah. living in a shack, exactly. you know, why are these exactly. people, you know, why is this way out here? And you know, those are definitely, I'm not going to knock on that door because I don't know, I don't know what what kind of person could be in there. I just, you know, I'm just going to move the other way. So, the, you know, those those kind of incidents are the ones that are, like you say, just really give you the creeps up and above just, you know, the normal, you know, sundown in a swamp or something. Well, Lyle, uh, if someone wants to order your book, I mean, where can they get the book and all the books you have? You got them on, I know you have them on Amazon, but you also sell them direct or signed book or anything like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can get uh, all my books on Amazon, you know, paperback, hardback, uh, Kindle versions. And uh, you can also get those uh, direct from my online store, which is monstrobizarro.com. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to end with a story that you and I can both appreciate because it's someone that we both knew. The first time I ever went to one of the most famous swamps in North America, Boggy Creek, there in southwestern uh, Arkansas. 
Um, I went with Smoky Crabtree of the Legend of Boggy Creek fame, and uh, me and my dad went down into part of the swamp. He was going to show us a place where they filmed uh, his son Travis paddling out in the swamp, kind of a historic side of the movie. And Smokey, you know, was a little guy. You know, he's about five foot six, five foot seven, maybe, you know. And he pulls a 357 out with like a nine inch barrel and he straps it on himself. He sees me looking at him with this gun. He looks at me in that real slow southern drawl and says, Chester, this ain't for the monster. It's for the people out here. Yes, precisely. And, and you know, Smokey, to, in my mind, is one of the most experienced outdoorsman I've ever met. Just a skilled hunter, tracker, fisherman, lived in the woods. Whatever things he suggests, I'm following. So if he's carrying a gun, I, I'm thinking there's a good reason for that. Absolutely, man. When we come back on more Outdoors on News Talk 560 KLVI, we'll have my final thoughts for the night about human dangers in the great... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to more Outdoors on News Talk 560 KLVI. This is Chester Moore. Fish on. Sign up for the CCA Star Fishing Tournament. Still got plenty of time to fish this summer-long tournament. Cast all summer for a chance to win over a million dollars in scholarships and prizes. Reeling a new boat and truck when you catch a tagged redfish, kids can catch a $30,000 scholarship. This year's tournament is catch and release with new categories and more tagged reds than ever. Check out the details at startournament.org. Star Tournament is sponsored by Texas Ford Dealers, Tilson Homes, Academy Sports and Outdoors, Cryptech, Shinerbach, and Hoffpower Polaris. You know, we've been talking about sinister swamps and creepy places with Lyle Blackburn. And of course, Southeast Texas is loaded with such places. I mean, when I was a teenager, we used to get all together in a van or cram into a car and go out to creepy roads, uh, different places, Bragg Road and different places, go into swamps for a little scare. But in reality, evil people often like to do their deeds in remote places. And the reason I have been sounding the alarm that there is an issue in the great outdoors is because of what I encountered myself. The times that I was chased off a mountain in California, undoubtedly, even told by the Forest Service at the time, it was drug traders. And the different things that I've encountered in different areas have made me really hyper-aware of this. And then just being an actual journalist, I mean, I don't just you know, write articles about, you know, how to throw a spinnerbait across a pond. You know, I like to dig into stories and issues. And when you start digging beneath the surface, you see that there are some dangers in the green outdoors. It's not a place to be terrified, but it's certainly a place to be aware of things that are going on. And if people are aware, maybe they can have their lives saved. Because the last thing I want is someone moving into a rural area, for example, from a city, having no idea what's going on and getting in trouble because simply no one told them. And uh, over the years, we've been doing this for about three years. I would say about every other month we have a show on some 
related topic to this. We've had them on piracy, you know, that's, that's actually showing back up in American waters at some level. We've had shows on uh, self-defense in the woods, different things like that. And something that I've been looking at in even a little bit closer is that element of self-defense in the woods. And we're probably going to be having someone on soon talking more about good self-defense choices, especially in light of recent constitutional carry being signed by Governor Abbott that will go into effect September the 1st. And that's like a whole other topic, but it definitely ties into what we want to do, you know, is be safe, be aware, be able to defend yourself when you go into some of these places. And, um, you know, one of the rules that I have for myself is I have a bad feeling about a, a place. I just consider it's probably the Holy Spirit telling me not to go somewhere. But if you get a gut feeling or intuition of not going into a place, just don't go. You know, don't be, you know, somebody who's always, oh, I'll go fight whoever and deal with whatever. You know, if you have that kind of feeling, just don't go. I'll never forget listening to the late, great Richard Pryor. This is one of the few things I can actually quote on the program from Richard Pryor. He said when he was a kid, he couldn't fight. So he developed a cool run. So the girls would see him run and say, oh, look, Richard's running, but he's cool. He said, because, and I quote, a broken ego heals quicker than a broken jawbone. So if you think about going into some spot, you think you're, you know, you're going to man up on somebody because you feel weird about a situation. You know, you don't want to be a coward. You know, it's best to maybe just back off and not have a situation and to get in maybe a gunfight or some crazy thing happen like that. And that's just really my heart is to share these things. But in our area, we do have plenty of troubles in our sinister swamps and other things. I mean, we've talked about the missing Texas 40 around the Sam Houston National Forest and just in generally in Montgomery and Liberty counties. You know, there have been plenty of bodies found in swamps and things right here in southeast Texas and southwest Louisiana. And, you know, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff out there. And we don't want to, you know, people are really, it's getting weird out there because people get offended over like, not a headline even, like a word in a headline. I could say, you know, danger in the great outdoors, be aware. And there'd be somebody saying, you're saying the great outdoors is too dangerous to go. Never said that. You know, I'm just saying, be careful, those kind of things. And I think it's very, very important because we want to come back to our families and do things and, uh, and introduce them to the great outdoors. And I was just alone, solo, last week in Yellowstone National Park. Um, I was in Yellowstone, and not just in Yellowstone, I was in, I was in five solid days in the backwoods of Montana and Wyoming, and by myself, I had an incredible, incredible time. I was photographing bighorn sheep and wolves, believe it or not, and bison and uh, mule deer and elk and doing a lot of trout fishing. You know, and I, when, I, when I went, I studied some areas, and I looked at, you know, criminal elements and things like that before I went. I want to practice what I preach and went into areas that were as safe as could be and was prepared. And the thing is, there is that element of peace when you go into the great outdoors, and that's what we're seeking, to be able to go into a peaceful place. And that's why it's important to expose the darkness to light, because going into the great outdoors can be one of the most peaceful things on the planet to be able to see beautiful flowing streams. And I was sitting there fly casting. It was like a river runs through it. I mean, seriously. And I was catching rainbow trout and brook trout. And I caught, uh, I was really excited to catch West Slope cutthroat trout, which are a native trout that are uh, 
just indigenous to just a few river drainages there in that region. And uh, being able to take that time was very refreshing. You know, it was like it healed the soul. You know, the late great Fred Bear, the father of the modern archery movement. Now, they used to do albums back then, like motivational album or instructional like record albums, vinyl. I would love to get a copy of this album. But on one of those albums, Fred Bear talked about the teenage thrill seekers, which he meant kids that were doing drugs in the 60s, basically. This was done in the 60s. He said, if they really want to get a thrill, go into the Pacific Northwest and tangle with the grizzly bear, the polar bear, and the brown bear. And they'll get their thrill, and it will cleanse the soul. And that is something that I love to have happen, being able to get the stress off your mind and those kind of things. And uh, So if you heard this tonight, maybe you're a little creeped out about swamps now. Don't be. But be aware, you know, understand what's going on and enjoy the time you get beyond the pavement. And I'll be talking here really soon in the program about what I've seen around America, the things that are concerning me in terms of how much pavement is going up around America and how we're losing so many of our wild grounds and the key importance of keeping wild grounds conserved and the, not only the importance for wildlife, but the importance for humanity. I'm in Yellowstone, and I literally was in a car jam, was in a, was in a traffic jam like I was in the Katy Freeway in Houston at one point. So many people had packed into parts of Yellowstone because they've been locked up due to restrictions, and they want to be in the great outdoors. And as frustrated as it was for me at some points, it was, I understand that because that's why I was there. Of course, I ended up finding places that were not crowded and went into some little cubby holes and little obscure streams and fished and caught a bunch of brook trout in one spot and all that stuff. So that was all good. But people are clamoring and craving time in the great outdoors. It is a precious commodity that time. Time is the only resource we get no more of. It is what it is. And, um, you know, you can't go back and rewind it. You can't grow more time. And so that time that we do spend... As my friend Ted Nugent used to always say, beyond the pavement, the time that we spend in the great outdoors, heeding the call of the wild is a very, very important thing. It's, you know, I wouldn't have this show if that wasn't part of my heart and who I am. And the element of the danger in the outdoors is something that must be addressed to keep people safe and that people know, you know. This is a program about digging beneath the surface. And the day that I don't dig beneath the surface is the day I don't need to do a show or write. You know, there's plenty of fluff out there in this realm, and that's not what I do. So we thank you for listening. Thank you for going beneath the surface with me and out beyond the pavement. God bless you guys, and I want you to have an inspiring, amazing, and soul-cleansing great outdoors and Fourth of July weekend. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.